Simplicity is not about deprivation. Simplicity is about greater appreciation for the things that really matter. Unknown author. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Welcome back, my brilliant health ladies. Thank you for joining me again today. A hearty shout out to two listeners, just like you, who left reviews of the podcast on iTunes this week and in doing so helped other women to find me, women who are lost and needing help. Travel Fit says, great info, exclamation point with five stars. Dr. Kieran provides such great info and has some great guests in the show. I also really appreciate her down-to-earth approach to health. Thank you, Travel Fit. I appreciate you. And Margie Bissinger says, terrific podcast with five stars. I love Dr. Kieran's energy and passion for sharing important topics that truly help people get to the root causes of their health issues. Dr. Kieran is wonderful at facilitating discussion, making the episode so interesting and full of fabulous information. I highly recommend this podcast to anyone wanting to upgrade their health. Thank you so much, Margie. I appreciate you. Thank you, beautiful people, for taking a few seconds of your precious time to share your thoughts about the podcast. You never know when you take the time to do something that is it time well spent. And it may seem like I'm asking you to do this for me, but the truth is I'm not. Doing this podcast is my reward. The fact that I have the privilege to speak to you each week and share my professional and personal journey in the hopes that it might help you is reward enough. Your rating and reviewing and sharing is for the woman who needs to be here, who doesn't know that this podcast and this information exist. And she's suffering because of it. You'll know her because... She has health problems that remain unresolved. She's staying home again because she's in pain. She's canceling dates with you and not showing up because she's sick. She's not showing up for life. So look around your life and ask yourself, what woman haven't you seen lately who's not showing up and might have a health problem? If you're like me, I'm sure you can think of five women immediately and share this episode with them now then you've done at least one good deed for the day. The way many of us go about our daily lives, you would think that the adage, I eat, therefore I am, was at play. Our days are consumed with eating, pun intended, from morning to night. Yet this is contributing to our high rates of chronic disease. If you heard the quote at the beginning of the episode, I know you're wondering what simplicity has to do with health, and I'm about to tell you. Today, we're talking about the health benefits of fasting for women and the different types of fasts you can do. And fasting is simplicity itself because you don't eat. And that's really simple. Simple for your mind because you don't have to think about food. Simple for your body because you don't have to prepare it and digest it. It's just simple. 
until we recently made it complex. And maybe you've heard about all the different types of fasting out there, and you've wondered if and when and how you should add this to your health regimen. Maybe even your regular doctor told you you don't need to do this, so you just let it go. But there are so many proven health benefits to calorie restriction overall and various types of fasting that it's too important a tool to not use for most people. Aids not only in weight control, but also in promoting longevity, reducing the risk for many chronic diseases, including cancers and dementia. And most people feel better when they at least add periodic or intermittent fasting to their regimen. I can attest to that. Whenever I start to feel in any way run down, one of the first things I do is some type of fast. It may be a juice or bone broth fast or a water fast. And this often happens naturally that I'll notice I'm just not hungry, that my body wants a break from all the digestion and elimination and to just rest inside. Digestion is one of the most energy-consuming activities that happens in your body, and the onslaught of foods and chemicals we ingest multiple times a day can cause wear and tear on the GI system. Giving it a rest is often the best self-care out there. So you can tell your friends, I'm doing self-care this weekend. I'm doing GI rest. In addition, it allows your insulin hormone to reset, which sends off a cascade of hormone balancing activities that benefit your energy, your sleep, your weight, and your immune system function. It also turns on longevity genes and increases your levels of growth hormone, which helps you stay young, vital, and lively. There are many reasons to fast and many different ways to do it. We'll cover these today with Dr. Mindy, who is especially passionate about this tool. It may not be for everyone, and you definitely should consult with your personal physician before trying it. But don't you owe it to yourself to listen, learn, and then make an educated decision about it? Yes, you deserve this and so much more. Sometimes all I need is a day or two of juice fasting to feel like myself again. And now that my body knows this is an option, it just happens naturally. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Mindy and we'll get started. With a background in chiropractic medicine, Dr. Mindy Pels has an extensive toolbox that includes gut restoration, functional nutrition, ketogenic and fasting diets, heavy metal toxicity, pediatric care, and more. She treats Silicon Valley leaders in one of the largest natural wellness clinics in the San Francisco Bay Area. The release of her best-selling book, The Reset Factor, spurred creation of the Resetter Tribe, an online community designed to support, inspire, and lead people through restoring their health. Her menopause reset book is anticipated to come out this year, and we are looking forward to reading it and looking forward to all the women it's going to help. Welcome, Dr. Mindy Pels. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, so I'm excited to be here. Yes, menopause. It's one of my favorite subjects as well, and I'm very excited to delve in with you about fasting in menopause. What are the benefits? How do you do it? What are the seven different types of fasting? Why should somebody do this? I know most menopausal women have never heard from their doctor. Right. Right. Most people 
have yeah. never heard from their doctor that they should be doing any type of fasting. And most doctors probably aren't aware of the health benefits of it. So we're going to get into that for everybody listening. And particularly for menopausal women, it has some unique benefits. So how did you get interested in this? So I'm 50. I mean, we all come to this information often from our own struggles. And when I hit about 43, perimenopause kicked in for me and it was bad. And I literally had been a healthy person my whole life. I didn't really understand why my old tricks weren't working anymore. Like why couldn't I, if I gained five pounds because I'd overeaten, why couldn't I just go run 10 miles? And it, why wasn't it coming off? Mm-hmm. You know, I was an avid athlete and it was like, I just, why couldn't it, why couldn't I self-correct? And as I moved into like 44 and 45, it just became harder and harder to keep my weight where I wanted it, keep my brain as clear as I wanted it. I wasn't sleeping well. I had some anxiety and depression that was showing up. And it was like, really abnormal for me because I have lived most of my life as a sort of make lemonade out of lemons kind of gal. I had a really incredible, you know, experience with life, but 45 flipped it all up upside down. So I went looking for solutions for myself. Mm -hmm. And as many women know, you start intermittent fasting, you start doing even a little longer fasting and weight drops off very quickly. My brain started to work much better. So I got so excited about it that I just started fasting, fasting, fasting all the time. And in the short version of that or the the short term, that was miraculous for me. In the long term fasting, doing it for uh, several years from about 45 to 47, I was a fasting fiend. I would fast all the time, block fast, all kinds of fasts. And it really tanked my sex hormones. It really tanked. I started getting massive anxiety. I started, it like went from being great to being not so great. So I really had to learn how to modify this for menopause. Yeah, you have to be really careful with fasting. You really need to know what you're doing because literally you can kill yourself with fasting if you do it improperly from lack of nutrition or lack of fluid intake. But also exactly what you said, your sex hormones tank. So most people aren't aware that cholesterol is the backbone of your cortisol and all your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So if you're not getting enough cholesterol, you can tank those hormones and your body depends on those hormones to for your cells to know what to do. So I'm glad that you made it through and (laughs) that now you're here to enlighten everyone because I know people listening have heard about, well, what's this intermittent fasting and what's a dry fast and what's a wet fast and how do I do this and should I do this and what are the benefits? So let's get started talking about some of the nitty gritty details. What are the different types of fasting that you work with? Yeah, so I educate my community on seven different fasts. And I put them kind of in order. Like I think intermittent fasting is a really good place to start with. There's tremendous research out now on intermittent fasting and how it's beneficial for so many different conditions. Just like a couple months ago, New England Journal of Medicine put out a meta-analysis showing that they have are officially taking the stand that intermittent fasting is healing. So I like intermittent fasting as a lifestyle. I think it's fairly easy for most people to do. 
And then I think varying your fast is really important. You know, if you go back and you think how we were in the cave woman days, we didn't have food in the morning. We had to go out and find food and bring it back. So our bodies, our innate primitive design is meant to be able to go longer periods without food, which is why I like throwing in some 17 hour fast, some 24 hour fast. So we really, in my community, I encourage people to cycle their fast because each hour you're fasting, you're getting a different reaction in your body that's happening. So let's talk about people want are probably wondering what is intermittent fasting because not everyone knows. So can you define okay. it? Yeah. So inter- to me, intermittent fasting is the way I like to do it is 13 to 15 hours without food. Some people call intermittent fasting where you eat one day and then you don't eat the next day. So, or they they look at it like alternate day fasting, but that's not the way I look at it. I look at it as 13 to 15 hours every day without food. Right. And so what most people will do is they'll eat a very late breakfast slash lunch or brunch, and then they'll eat seven or so or eight hours later, their dinner. So really two meals and then nothing before and nothing after. And so you really get that time of fasting and it has been shown to assist many conditions, including improving Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And I call the other where you might fast one day and then not fast the next day, cyclic fasting. Okay. That's what I call it. But people call it different things. So what are some of the other types of fasting that you educate people on? Yeah. So what I always tell people is start with the 13 to 15. And then once you're comfortable there, when you go towards 17 to 18 hours without food, you're stimulating at what we call autophagy, a little deeper version of autophagy. And the best way that I explain autophagy is it's like turning on the intelligence inside your cells. And that intelligence looks around the cell and it says, hey, I think I need to clean things up in here. I'm going to reorganize this cell. I'm going to make it so this cell works more efficiently. So we look at autophagy got really popular as being Mm self-detoxing, but I really like to look at autophagy as being self-repairing. It's a way for you to tap into this innate intelligence that you've never been taught about. So in 13 to 15 hours, you're getting some growth hormone, you're getting some ketones that's going to help you burn fat, give you some mental clarity. Now you go 17 hours. I call it autophagy fasting. Now, okay, now you're getting some more self-repair. And then from there, I really encourage people, okay, now one day a week, could you go to 24-hour fasts or what we call dinner-to-dinner fasting? And the reason that is really cool is because the research shows it will start to stimulate intestinal stem cells. So all of a sudden, the stem cells in your body reboot themselves and they start to clean up the intestinal tract. This is massively important for so many people, but for the menopausal woman, you've now you're stimulating an environment where estrogen, your bacteria and your gut break down estrogen, and you can start to break down, especially some of the toxic estrogens. So the length really makes a difference as to what you're trying to do and stimulate within your body. Yes, and really it is that autophagy that that regenerates the cells, decreases inflammation, turns on healing genes, longevity genes. Mm -hmm. I think it really, this kind of craze with getting information about fasting started when they realized that calorie restriction overall improved longevity, improved telomere length. Yep. 
and turned on certain genes like the cert genes to heal the body and then people started looking at ways to manipulate it because the average person probably would have a really hard time of doing significant enough calorie restriction on a daily basis to get those benefits so people started looking at well if we do cyclic fasting fasting at certain intervals or if we only limit eating to certain periods of time so what we've come up with I think are brilliant is that you can just you can eat but just limit when you eat and then of course you don't want to be eating cotton candy and popcorn great yes (laughs) yes thank you for pointing that out yes what you eat is important too so I don't want you those of you listening saying oh I got it I'll just have a Mickey D's for lunch and no, no. I, what I always tell people is look at your eating window. We've been taught when you wake up, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And that if you want to speed up your metabolism, eat six, eight meals a day. Mm-hmm. And we're finding that that actually is not accurate. That and I, So what I encourage people to do is compress your eating window. So you decide once you open your eating window up, you're not going to be in a fasted state anymore. So then in that eating window, like to your point, let's eat some healthy things. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people do is they start with this eating window of like, you know, 18, six has become really popular. So you do 18 hours of fasting, six hours of eating. And then in that six hours, space your meals out throughout as you are hungry. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I like to think of it in my mind is I've got a fasting period in my 24 hours and I have an eating period. But once I open that eating period, then I want to look at nourishing my body with healthy food so that I, my cells don't have to clean up as much. Right. And let's talk about it. I know I talk about it all the time on the podcast. People are probably tired of hearing it, but it can't be reiterated enough because I know there are those of you who listen every week and yet and still you're not getting the veggies that you need, the green leafies that you need and the fiber that you need and a lot of the things that you need. So we're going to talk about it again. And I'm hoping every time that we come back to this and we go over it again, you hear Dr. Mindy talk about it. You hear all the other doctors on the show talk about it, that you'll start making changes. And it can be very subtle if you're at the supermarket, you just might make a different choice. So if you just want to outline in that eating window, I love that term, when your eating window opens. Yeah. What are the choices that women in general, but particularly menopausal women, want to be making? Yeah. Well, the first hormone outside of your sex hormones that you want to really have in balance is insulin. So when you're fasting, what you're doing is you're bringing your insulin levels down. When you are eating, you want to make sure you're not surging your insulin levels because if those go up, you're going to now throw off these hormones that are already declining as you go through menopause. So I want to control insulin with my food. That's the first step, which you can do by, you don't have to go, I'm not a believer in extremely low carb. I'm a believer in like moderate carbs. So for me, moderate carbohydrate loads are like less than 50 net carbs a day of carbohydrates. And I would prefer to see women getting their carbohydrates from fruits and vegetables and things like beans and squashes and potatoes. Those are all like the bean squashes, potatoes, they help you make progesterone. So they're like building to the, to your hormone, your sex hormone system. Mm -hmm. So when when that window opens, lean into so many of these foods that nature's already provided for us. 
And then for protein, I think moderate protein. I'm not a fan of really low protein. I'm definitely not a fan of the carnivore diet in most situations. Mm -hmm. So 50 grams of protein, really good starting place. And then to your point about cholesterol, the menopausal woman really needs good fat. So make mm -hmm. sure that you're eating a lot of good fat. Learn about fat bombs. Learn about the difference between good fat and bad fat. And if you do that with fasting, you will really regulate insulin, which will help you tremendously through menopause. So talk about fat bombs and good fats and bad fats. Okay, what I love to do, this is my favorite, and if you have an, a nut allergy, my heart goes out to you, but I like leaning into my fat bombs are nuts. So cashew, I have cashew butter, almond butter, macadamia butter, walnut butter. I do all different kinds of nuts and seeds. Mm -hmm. And I often, when I open my eating window, I'll actually break my fast with fat. And I'll take a, just a scoop of nut butter with a scoop of organic ghee. And I'll just, that to me is a fat bomb. That is it's a fat like, bomb. All right. <laughs> and most people would probably shudder when they think about doing that. But it's the fat that keeps you satiated. It's the fat that you eat that says, mm, I'm full. I yep. ate well. You know, we think it's carbs, I think, when we eat the sad standard American diet. But if you'll notice and really pay attention to how your body reacts to carbs, usually you're starving within an hour and a half to two hours, whereas the fat's going to stay with you for hours. That's right. So I love that. And yes, your nuts and seeds, I see so many people, We, you know, it was ingrained into us in the 80s that fat is bad, fat is bad, fat is bad, right? And so I still see remnants of that, particularly in menopause women because we were in the 80s, what, 20, 30, 40 years ago now, I guess it is. Yeah. We really were probably in our nascency and getting started and learning about diet and how do I eat healthy as an adult. And so it's been ingrained and I have to really do a lot of uh, rewiring of that brainwashing. Fat is good. Fat is good. Fat yeah. is good. Sugar yep. is bad. Sugar is right. bad. Right. Sugar is bad. Yeah. And you know, for one of the fasts I teach is autophagy fasting. And what I tell people is go 17 hours. And then when you break your fast, break it like I just explained, like with a fat bomb or you, I'll have people do avocado with some sauerkraut in it mm -hmm. and maybe put some pumpkin seeds, chia seeds in there. And then just stop after you eat the fat, just take a moment and see if you're still hungry. Because for a lot of people, they can eat a nice big fat bomb and then they could go another couple of hours in what we would consider a fasted state because fat doesn't elevate your glucose levels. So if it's not gonna elevate your glucose levels, it's not gonna elevate typically your insulin levels. So your body still behaves and thinks it's in a fasted state and you're getting into some of these deeper fasted states where you can repair your intestinal stem cells. You can get GABA production that will calm your brain and holy cow, does the menopausal woman need that? Mm -hmm. And you, know, you can get the dendrite, the BDNF that will help with mental clarity. So fat is like a gift to us and we really need to recategorize it. Yes, absolutely. I don't think most people are aware that the fat doesn't trigger your insulin, doesn't raise your glucose, so you can get it in under the radar and that's yeah. the beauty of it. But we're not talking about 
animal fats necessarily. You know, ghee no. is wonderful for anyone listening. It's purified butter, so it has the milk solids removed. And even if you're dairy sensitive, so cow's milk dairy, most people can eat ghee when the milk solids, the casein and whey have been removed. And then it's just pure oil. It's just the fat. Yeah. But a lot of animal fats are more of the unhealthy saturated type fats more often especially if you're not eating organic grass-fed then you're getting a healthy dose of pesticides and chemicals if you're eating that so you really want to stick with the plant-based fats as much as possible because it's way healthier for you and what are some other things uh, guidelines that you give women who are doing this type of intermittent fasting the other foods that i would lean into is remember that estrogen Estrogen is metabolized in the liver and the gut. So for the woman who's already got declining estrogen, for the fact that most hormonal cancers happen postmenopausal, that's a toxic estrogen situation. I feel like we really need to make sure that we're eating plenty of greens. We need to like up our fresh green intake. We need to lean into uh, cruciferous foods like broccolis and cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. Like we at this time of our life really need to be eating more vegetables. And I like one of my favorite interviews last year was with Terry Walls, who wrote the, you know, has deals with autoimmunity. And she was telling me that she recommends people get about 200 plants, different plants in their diet in a one month period. Wonderful. Right? If you stop and you look at that, you have to make a conscious effort to get 200 different plants. So if you go and you make a salad, how many different lettuces can you put in there? Can you throw parsley in there? Can you break up chard, kale? How about some mint? Like what else can you put in there? Because all of those greens are feeding your good bacteria. And if those good bacteria grow, they will help you metabolize and break down estrogen better. So that's a big piece for me when we're dealing with a menopausal woman. Yeah. I read somewhere that I forget the exact number, but there are hundreds, definitely well over 800 different types of vegetables available, but we eat from the same less than 50 types of vegetables. And if we like broccoli, we eat broccoli all the time. And so I love that Terry, and she was on the podcast as well, that she shared that. And so if you're listening, how could you challenge yourself to move towards that 200 different types of plants in your diet in a month, what could you do differently? Maybe you don't know how to cook a certain vegetable, like Swiss chard is one I think a lot of people don't really know, well, what do I do with it? And it has a little funny taste. And so think of ways that you could cook it, that it could you could make it appealing so you can get that in. And what are some of the other aspects of the intermittent fasting that you really like to highlight for women? Well, intermittent fasting in general is just a great way to show up and do and be every day. And it because for a variety of reasons, one is that it's just easy. It makes you what you'll start to see is that it's more time efficient. Let's talk to you about coffee because a lot of people want to know where yeah, coffee and fits alcohol. into it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about alcohol. So I like intermittent fasting because it's so convenient. And if you look at today's woman, most of us 
are rushing around from thing to thing to thing. So if I take one meal out of the day, that's kind of convenient. <laughs> right. I, I was at the airport the other day and I was looking at this long line at the bagel shop. And I thought to myself, I am so grateful that I don't eat breakfast anymore. I don't have to wait in that line. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to get my next meal. Like my body knows how to go without food. And it's a really convenient way to be. So the other thing too is, you know, after 30 growth hormone tanks, we don't have any growth hormone left and growth hormone really allows us to stay young and burn fat. Well, you can get growth hormone by intermittent fasting. The research is a 1300% spike. So if you want to slow down aging, that's a good thing. And then the last thing we'll talk about with the intermittent fasting that I would say is that coffee, a lot of people want to know can I drink coffee in the morning? Yes, so we're going to talk about that right when we come back. So stay tuned. Dr. Mindy is going to help you understand your morning Java. Did you know that you can get my personal attention on your medical concerns by scheduling a consultation with me, no matter where you live in the U.S.? Yep, that's right. You'll get the answers that you need when I focus my 20 plus years of experience, board certification and fellowship training in functional medicine directly on your health concerns and identify the root causes of why you're not well and exactly what you need to do to get well. Whether you're suffering with overweight and fatigue, brain fog, hormonal imbalance, IBS or autoimmune disease, hair loss or the big three, high blood pressure, cholesterol and diabetes, I've got answers for you you. You don't have to suffer with chronic health conditions, symptoms, or continuing drug treatments that don't actually fix the underlying problem. There are reasons why you're having the health challenges that you're now facing. We will uncover those reasons together when we work one-on-one -on -one with a personalized approach, and I'll lead you through a plan to correct them and get you feeling great in your own skin again. Use the link on my website, Kieran Dunstan, MD, to schedule a 15-minute complimentary phone consultation with me to discover how great your life will be when you conquer your health concerns. Visit KieranDunstanMD.com for more information. That's K-Y-R-I-N-D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D.com. Your brilliant health is waiting. Welcome back, everybody. Dr. Mindy is here. And yes, I know you can't wait to hear about your morning caffeine and intermittent fasting. So if I'm not eating breakfast, does that mean I can't have my morning coffee? That's the first thing everybody's going to ask, including yeah. me. Okay. Okay. So let's start with the concept of coffee. Right. So coffee is packed. If you're going to Starbucks, you're getting a cup full of pesticides and toxins. So <laughs> okay, uh, wait. I hope Starbucks isn't a sponsor of this podcast. No, they're not, but I, I just have to pause and just let that sink in for everybody. And I know there are a lot of people up in arms right now going, what is she talking about? So yeah, can you help everyone ex understand that? Why is that? Yeah, so let's start with the coffee bean itself. Yeah. The coffee bean is the most heavily, one of the most heavily sprayed crops that we have. So it's sprayed with pesticides, glyphosate. These are known carcinogens. They're known to throw your hormones off. And then they brew them and heat them up. And it goes into a cup that has been bleached with chlorine and a top 
that has plastics in it. And as your hot coffee is sitting inside this cup, you're getting plastics, you're getting chlorine with pesticide sprayed beans. So, and many of them are moldy. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah, and then... Basically, why people love Starbucks so much is because of the milk and the sugar. That's what they're addicted to. Dairy is highly addictive. It triggers a response in your body that is your endorphins. So that's your body's natural opiate system. And so people easily get addicted to dairy products. And if you're one of those who, when I say, well, we got to eliminate the cheese for a while and you freak out, you're probably addicted to it. And then sugar is the most addictive substance in the world. It's 80 times as addictive as cocaine. They did a study with Oreo cookies and rats at Princeton that demonstrated that beautifully. So that's really why everybody's so addicted to Starbucks. But what they don't realize is that they're really poisoning themselves, not only with the dairy and the sugar, but the plastics, the chlorine, the pesticides. So get yourself some clean organic coffee and that'll be another episode we'll talk about what to do. Yep. But go ahead and proceed with talking about the caffeine. Before we even talk about okay. does it come out of a fasted state or not, right. my number one requirement is you have to have it organic. And if you can get it mold-free, you know, if you know how to find a mold-free one, that's great. But definitely make sure that you get it organic. Okay. And like to your point, what are you putting in it? Are you putting sugar in it? Are you putting cream in it? And we'll talk about that in a moment. So the second thing to real you want to ask yourself is does my morning cup of coffee stimulate my blood sugar? And there's really unique to all of us. Everybody has a different pattern with coffee. So the first thing I tell people to do is take a blood sugar reading. We highly encourage you go down to your drugstore, you get a little mo- blood sugar monitor, like a, like somebody who's diabetic, and you start to understand your blood sugar and what affects it. So we have people do a blood sugar reading and then they drink their cup of coffee and then a half an hour later, they take another blood sugar reading. And if your blood sugar spikes, it's pulling you out of a fasted state. If your blood sugar stays the same or it drops, your coffee is probably okay for you. Mm -hmm. And then you can do the same thing with the cream and stevia. A lot of people ask me, well, what if I put stevia in it? So just do the same thing. Make your cup the way you like it. Take a reading before you drink it. Half hour later, take another reading. What's going on with your blood sugar? Is it spiking? If it spikes, it doesn't work for you. Yeah, so to test that, I love that. That's beautiful. That's great that you can really get some objective. Yeah, because it's individual. Get some objective information. Yeah. I did want to touch on, you know, I work with a lot of women who are really out of balance when they come to me. And most of them have very dysregulated cortisol, the stress hormone. And I usually do not have people who are so out of balance start with intermittent fasting because it is stressful to a certain degree on your body and your cortisol. Your cortisol is supposed to be highest in the morning. It's kind of like starting your car requires more gas. And in the morning, it takes more energy to get you going. So your cortisol is higher and fasting can stress your cortisol your blood sugar can go down. And so I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. Is this intermittent fasting great for everyone across the board, all menopausal women, or are there certain people who you recommend do not do it or do it 
after they've done other types of eating programs? Yeah, this is a great question. So the first thing I would say, this is where testing is really helpful. So if you have a way to test your cortisol and you know you start off the beginning of the day with very, very low cortisol, lower than normal, then you may, like some people, we actually have them fast from dinner. So they would do morning to like seven o'clock or six o'clock, and they would just bring dinner a little bit closer to the afternoon. So for some people that works a little bit better. My typical way to kind of back people into intermittent fasting is I always say, push your breakfast back an hour and make sure you're increasing your fat and lowering your carbohydrates. So do those three things and see if you're able to fast a little bit, do intermittent fasting a little bit more efficiently. Most of the people that I've been working with, if they have adrenal fatigue, if they have a lot of cortisol dysregulation, that actually works for them. And if they are like pushing back their breakfast an hour, they're they're eating more fat, they're bringing down carbs. If they're telling me, oh my God, I'm going to kill somebody before that hour is up. They're hangry. They're hangry. Then I'm like, okay, we're just going to stay right here for right now. <laughs> and let's get you used to that. And let's support your adrenals. Let's make sure that you're getting out in the sun in the morning to get, we can work on those cortisol dysregulation. Well, we just keep you pushing your breakfast back an hour. Right. And I love that the hangry meter is really a great tool to use. So the hangrier you are getting at any points throughout the day, that's a sign of low blood sugar, which typically means you were too high before and it drove your insulin too high. So if you're finding, I know when back when I weighed 243 pounds, I got so hungry about an hour, hour and a half before lunch, I would literally say, I'm going to eat the wallpaper. Yeah. And I would just get so irritable and I couldn't think and I couldn't focus. And well, that was before I discovered functional medicine and got my everything straightened out with my insulin and blood sugar and cortisol. So I know we're running out of time. I did want to touch on alcohol because we mentioned it earlier and it is important and it's something that most people ask me about. So so what are your thoughts on alcohol with fasting and with health in general? Again, and I put it in the context of the menopausal woman, your liver is, again, one of the most helpful organs to regulate estrogen. So, and it also makes cholesterol. So taking amazing care of your liver is really important. If you are, what I see with a lot of women is as their hormones are doing this crazy dance, if the liver is stressed out, it's going to make your hormonal problems even worse. So alcohol is not a good fit there. If you're trying to lose weight, your liver is a fat burning organ. So when you drink a, a glass of wine, when you drink, you know, have a mixed drink, whatever your drink of choice is, that you literally, while that alcohol is in your bloodstream, you're not burning fat. Your liver can't do both. It will always prioritize dealing with the alcohol first before it burns fat, before it regulates estrogen. So if you're struggling to lose weight or you have massive hormonal symptoms, alcohol is not your friend. So that would be the first thing. And then the, on the, the other piece that we talk a lot about in my community is 
things like dry farm wines, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with them. They have tested their out their alcohol. It's lower, lower alcohol, lower sugars. So if you are going to drink, every once in a while, lean into the purest form of alcohol that you can find, the cleanest, I should say. And to me, that's where dry farm wines comes in. I think that most people don't realize because we just don't think about it and alcohol is such a part of our culture that it is a poison that you are putting into your body that will kill you if you drink enough of it. Mm -hmm. But we don't ingest it usually intentionally at those levels. But that's why your liver has to prioritize getting rid of that poison or it actually can kill you. Yeah. And I just like to make that point because, you know, we just don't think about it. And then I always like to help people understand too, that it's toxic to the gastrointestinal cells Yeah, and gut health is so central to our health. So how can people learn more about you, Dr. Mindy, and what you're offering? Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. I think that you really offer a very in-depth understanding of how intermittent fasting works and particularly for the menopausal woman. So how can they learn more? A couple different places. My teachings, like my favorite place that I like to go to share what I'm teaching with my patients is my YouTube channel. So go check out my YouTube channel. I got videos on there. If you want to fast with us, we have a Facebook group called the Resetter Collaborative, and you can jump in there and fast with us. My book's coming out in April, so it's called The Menopause Reset, and we're going to talk about fasting and diet and detox and how do you shift your lifestyle during your menopause years. So you can go to my webpage and find that information. Great. And we will have links to all of those things in the show notes. Did you have something that you wanted to share with everyone they could download for free, right? I put together what I call a ketobiotic course for women to understand how to use keto and fasting around their hormones. And it's videos that I did, and we've got some eBooks in there. And it basically is if you're premenopausal, if you're in menopause, if you're postmenopausal, like how do you customize these tools for you? Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. And the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health, which you certainly exemplify. What does that mean to you, Her Brilliant Health? Oh my gosh. Well, I think as women, we don't prioritize ourselves and our health enough. So when I hear Her Brilliant Health, it's like, in order to have brilliant health, you need to prioritize it. You need to like step up to me. Brilliance is stepping up and owning the power that is within you, the power that you are, the way you can show up in the world. So it's a combination of finding the right tools for you, but making yourself a priority. Oh, I love that. Very beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Dr. Mindy. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.